I think what for me is important is drive, interest and willingness to work and to be hands-on and, and to see, to be a problem solver, but more than anything is to be very pragmatic. Hi, I'm Ankush, founder at Eventable.com, and you're listening to the Building Awesome Events podcast. Our guest today is the very hardworking Raf De Kimp, CEO of Fintech Week London and Chief Commercial Officer at Disrupts Media. Welcome, Raf. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ankush. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me. Very excited. Very excited. Lovely to have you here with us, Raf. You've been hearing so much about Fintech Week. Finally, we get to ask you some questions. Let's start from the very beginning. I know you had a long stint in the on the business software side as an information analyst. You then moved to the business development side. How did you really think of launching or coming into the FinTech Week London idea from there? I mean, you know, I'm sure there's an interesting story behind that. Let's start with that. I'll let the, the listeners decide if it's interesting or not, but it's definitely a story behind it. Actually, the first company I worked at, as you say, was a software research uh, company. And because it had so many projects with universities, with companies, and there was a lot of events happening there. Smaller events, panels, pitching, but also a big yearly event where everybody got together to talk about what was happening. And it was really all hands on deck. The whole company, everybody in operations was there at these events. Yeah. And that's how I started uh, in the beginning where I just was at the registration desk or I was moving speakers from stage to stage. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of got the, the bug and the enthusiasm for events because I really loved it. Yeah. Um, after uh, working there for quite some time, I moved to a fintech ecosystem in Brussels, actually following the CEO of that company who moved uh, to that company in Brussels. So he yeah. said, well, we need somebody here, um, come over. So I went there, organized uh, the Digital Finance Summit in Brussels for two years, which is kind of a one-day conference, a two-day conference sometimes on fintech, but then in Brussels. Met the guys from Disrupt Media, had a conversation, and we saw there was an opportunity in the London ecosystem, uh, which is one of the biggest fintech ecosystems in the world. Yeah. Um, there really wasn't dedicated event to fintech uh, here anymore. So we picked up that ball and went with it, and uh, it's been a um, steam train ahead ever since. That's amazing. So tell us about the FinTech Week um, and disrupts a media ecosystem a little bit. So you have a show and you have a media property alongside it. So how does that work? So we, we have a few different brands. One of them is the FinTech Times, which is our, our newspaper and, and uh, online platform that's run by a fully editorial team of professional journalists. And that really gives us the voice of the industry, that gives us the reader, that gives us the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that gives us FinTech companies that want to partner with us, even yeah. more so in one of our other brands, which is the, the FinTech Power 50, mm-hmm. where we have the 40 most promising FinTech companies and the 10 most influential people for the year in the industry. And that basically made sense because we had the audience, we had the readers, we had the companies either in the newspaper or in the FinTech Power 50. So we said, well, let's bring them all together in a yearly event. And that's really what it is. It's bringing our community together and making sure that everybody has that face time with each other, which we think is, is really important. Hey, that's great. And FinTech Week London is now hugely successful, as we all know, and now, you know, entering its third year. How involved are you with the production of, of the actual event? I'm actually very involved. I'm, I'm quite hands-on, which is a nice term to say that I might be a bit of a control freak, but uh, you'll have to ask my team that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm very hands-on. I like to be very aware of what's happening, especially when it comes to the speakers and the content. 
We have a brilliant content board of people that make sure that the content is top-notch and is really nothing commercial. It's really what the industry wants to talk about and wants to hear. But I'm quite involved in the content and then quite involved in anything that has to do with the sponsors, right? Because they're the people making this happen as well. So I find it always very important to make sure that um, that they're happy and that they get what they what they want. But I obviously have an amazing team working on this event uh, with me. And and the success of the event is hugely due to the efforts of the team. I'm very, very convinced of that. Absolutely. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot about this buzzword about, you know, event content programming, you know, in, in our guests over the last few podcasts have all, um, you know, told us about their interest in event content and everybody's, you know, forming these communities around content, event content and, and so on. So looks like, you know, that's becoming a, you know, a very important piece of uh, event production. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's equally important, I think, to the networking opportunities that are there. It kind of depends on your event, if it's more networking or lead generation or sales-based or partnerships-based. But people, if they have to leave their house, I think especially after COVID, if they have to leave their house, they have to have enough reason to do that. And I think good content and good networking opportunities are both equally important where I think before COVID, there was a lot more events Maybe not always the quality was guaranteed. And it was just more about getting out and and seeing people Mm -hmm. and seeing the same faces. I think people are a bit more precious about their time now, which I think is the thing. Yeah. And uh, so you launched uh, FinTech Week in 2021, a tough year, you know, with some rolling lockdowns going on. So how has the evolution really been of that event, you know, coming out of a tough year and, you know, back to in-person? How are you now viewing your virtual strategy versus uh, in-person? And what is your playbook really today for um, FinTech Week? Is there a hybrid component to it? In 2021, definitely very challenging. Uh, still uh, restrictions and, and rules in, in the UK and across the world. From the start, we knew in-person for us was important. So even in 2021, we did a hybrid version, which was fully hybrid. So we had about half of the capacity of each room so people could be socially distanced, masks were worn, etc. But still, we wanted to bring people together physically already. Yeah. Um, but everything was fully live streamed uh, and hybrid. I personally don't think that's a sustainable way or a cost efficient way of doing events, doing everything double, making mm-hmm. sure that the in-person and online experience are both seamless and perfect and run costs a lot of money. And it's also not something that I think um, I prefer, at least my principle is do one thing and do it well. Right. So we have certain parts that are in person now in, in 2023. Um, and we have certain parts that are online. There will be video on demand. There will be online networking, but at different times than when there is in-person networking. Yeah. Um, there's no live streaming. So um, a fully hybrid concept, I, I don't believe um, is a sustainable model for the industry. Um, but I do believe in, in the choice of a combination of virtual and in-person, which is what we're doing. Right. And I think that's the most important thing is that word right there, which is choice, right? Being able to decide whether you want to go hybrid or you want to have smaller components and, you know, produce, you know, online events through the rest of the year. I think that choice has become much more feasible to do these days. Uh, But, you know, there are several things like that in person, the networking has not translated very well to online networking. You Mm -hmm. know, the virtual events I've I've attended, I think it leaves a lot to be desired, right? Because, you know, that whole experience of uh, shaking somebody's hand, pressing flesh, you know, that's just uh, not there, right? No, I agree. What we do with the virtual networking, it's really matchmaking based and it's people booking meetings Mm -hmm. through the app where they say, okay, um, these are the people that are suggested to you based on your interest. 
You yeah. should have a meeting with this person. It's very short meetings. It's mostly 10 to 20 minutes. But just wandering around in a virtual hall and bumping into people, I don't yeah. think that's realistic at all. It doesn't really work. So what we do is, is intelligent matchmaking that yeah. suggests meetings with people, book those meetings. And we also say to everyone very fast, make sure in the first two, three minutes, you explain what you do, what you're looking for, yeah. so that you both can immediately see, is it a match? Is it not a match? Not a match, move on, go to the next one. But that's what I said. I don't believe in hybrid because yeah. these virtual boots, these virtual networking where you walk around and, and handshake or bump into people, it doesn't work. You you can have that in person where you walk into people and you, but even then uh, you can still see that's already something you want to orchestrate, you want to do. We yeah. had speed dating sessions, for instance, to make sure that people get enough face time with other people right. and kind of break those barriers. So even in person, it's already hard, let alone if you think that it will happen in a virtual world. Maybe um, we'll talk about the metaverse at FinTech Week London this year as well. So maybe in a few years in the metaverse, but definitely not uh, not now. Yeah, I'm surprised that, you know, Bumble hasn't been acquired by Zoom or that Zoom hasn't been acquired by Bumble. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. You could say uh, a Tinder for business networking uh, yeah. uh, might be the new uh, the new app that you want to launch, the new money makers, the new unicorn. So maybe uh, people listening, um, yeah. uh, we we demand ten percent then, right? Because it was our <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, and you know uh, there are like a gazillion tech platforms out there. Um, you know what's what's the one that has worked for you? For the virtual component so we use cvent as a platform um, basically uh, from everything going from our website um, yeah. speaker applications speaker registration attendee buying tickets up until publishing yeah. of the program the speakers everything is built on cvent um, the on location batch printing the mobile app the attendee website it's all based on the cvent platform i chose cvent because i worked with them in the past and because mm-hmm. in the beginning the first year we had all these different systems, which each in their own work very well. Yes. But once you have to start, oh no, a speaker changes or then you have to go through three, four different systems to get it on the app, to get it on the website, to get it yep. in the program. It wasn't sustainable. And that's why I presented the idea of Cvent. And, and we've yep. been using it for two years now. They're also a great partner for us. Mm-hmm. We uh, work together with them. We um, do stuff with them in the FinTech Times. Right. Um, so they're they're really a great partner to have, in my opinion, a very good platform as well. It's uh, one of the, the better platforms out there, uh, honestly. Yeah, that's good to know. I think once we publish, uh, you know, this podcast, Raf, you're going to get a lot of messages in your LinkedIn uh, inbox from virtual event vendors saying, you know, show us some love. We are better than C-Vent, all of that. So mm-hmm. uh, Remember, you you heard it here first. Yes, they'll have to do their best because because uh, yeah. we have a very extensive partnership with them and uh, sure. it's been going really well for for two years. But um, yeah. well, we'll see we'll see who comes and uh, who challenges. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Raf, tell me in in terms of traditional marketing, how do you create awareness? Um, you know, for your events, what are channels that you think have worked best around audience acquisition, and how involved are you with this process? Yeah, I'm involved in the sense that we discuss the strategy, of course, of the marketing. Uh, we have our marketing calendar and strategy. There's different ways of marketing an event, right? There's different yeah. channels and there's different ideas and concepts. So we work with... Is it like email? Is it uh, paid media? What's it's, a combination, it's a combination of uh, LinkedIn works really, really well for us. And then email, of course, being a media company, we have our own database. We have our other brands. We have quite the database that we can reach out to. Mm-hmm. It's LinkedIn. And then one important part that we do as well is we work with over 30 media partners. Mm-hmm. 
So those are other media outlets that say, um, listen, if you give us the ticket, if you put our logo on your website, if you allow us to film at the location, we will also broadcast the fact that this event is happening to our full network. So that really multiplies and, and sure. extends your, your reach very far. Right. Um, so our media partners are very important. Our speakers and sponsors need to say that they're coming, that they're speaking. Um, that's mostly on social media, though, uh, not among on emailing. Yeah. Um, and then our, our own network. And then it's important to adjust the message to what you're doing, right? We're, yeah. We have content marketing based on what we did last year to show this was discussed last year. Similar things might happen this year. You, you need yeah. to be there. We have the topics and the content board that say this is what we're discussing. So we have more content-based right. marketing. And then, of course, the, the traditional, uh, more commercial marketing uh, paths as well. Yeah, I think that's great for folks listening. I mean, that's like a mini playbook uh, right there. I mean, I think you've covered most of the points. Uh, the only one thing that stood out, Raf, for me was, you know, you said LinkedIn has worked well for you. Uh, most of our other guests have tell us mostly they rely on email. And I would have assumed that LinkedIn, given the CPMs and the, the cost really is on the higher side. How do you really deal with that? Is that like a budget that you factored in? Or is there some retargeting you do on top of the LinkedIn layer? There is a budget that we use for LinkedIn. There is the retargeting that we do. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, um, it doesn't always result in direct sales. So I think LinkedIn yeah. helps for the brand, the brand recognition, and sure. the awareness of people knowing, oh, it's happening. But for the actual sales, we do see that it's mostly based on, on emails and organic search. Just people saw it on LinkedIn, go to the website, and then at some point come back and, and buy their ticket. Yeah. And we do have some uh, items in play like retargeting but also drop baskets, right? So people, if they register, the first thing you do is enter their email address. And if they right. stop at one of the other steps, there's about three emails that we send through the course of two weeks that say, hey, you were interested. Here's yeah. some more information about the event. Here's a, a discount code. Can we help you out? Um, Absolutely. And those that's what you feel because, you know, the buying journey is not linear, as you said. And, you know, of someone can see your ad on LinkedIn and, you know, then go off onto Instagram or, you know, take their dog for a walk. And, you know, so it's... Yeah. Uh, and which is why, uh, you know, we created our platform, uh, you know, that is eventable, uh, which is another spoke, another tent pole uh, in the ground to help people make that decision, right? So if, if someone sees your ad on LinkedIn, comes to our platform, you know, reads reviews of the past edition of a FinTech Week London, and then says, you know, these people are saying great things about it. I must go because this is what I want to learn. These are the right people that I want to meet, right? So that's yes. going to be part of that decision-making process uh, for, for an attendee. Yes, and that's very important because there's nothing better than hearing it from people who actually went and hearing it from speakers and hearing it from attendees, what it was, how they liked it, what they liked about it. Because we can, of course, say whatever we want in our marketing. I, I believe we're very realistic. We're very true to, to what it is. But still hearing it from the audience themselves, seeing the reviews, yeah. seeing it on our platform, seeing the recognition is very mm -hmm. important for us. As yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, how important is social proof uh, to you and... Do you think your attendees care about it? But I think, you know, you just answered that uh, for us, Raf. Uh, Sorry, I, I, ran, I ran ahead of it, but I do think it's important. I think that's also something we do. We, after the event, we do a survey, but that's mm -hmm. more an internal practical survey just to see what went well, what didn't go well. But it's important that those um, results are shared with the public. So if you can do public reviews to a platform right. like Eventable, that's mm -hmm. a great, great marketing asset and something that helps testimonials to always work. Yeah, wonderful. Raf, that, this really brings us to the last question that we have for you today, which is that if someone were to want to join your team, what are some of the key attributes that you instinctively uh, look for? 
I think um, what, what for me is important is drive, is interest and willingness to work and to be hands-on and, and to see, to be a problem solver. But more than anything is to be very pragmatic. Um, I think myself, and that might be my my uh, my Flemish uh, Belgian heritage. Um, yeah. I I'm one who's very straight to the point. If there's a problem, let's look at it, let's analyze it, let's address it and solve it. That yeah. might might also be the origin of my career that plays a role there in yeah. in information and process analysis. But I'm I'm a very pragmatic person. I like everybody around me to be the same, open, open, transparent, and and very pragmatic. And I think what's important to me in terms of the team is everybody can be themselves. Everybody has their own way of working. Everybody has their own preferences in style and has their own capacities. Yeah. And I think playing to everybody's strengths is really the only thing you can do to make a team a success. So somebody yeah. who joins my team should be open to that, but also prepared for the event world. Because the event world is high stress, high intensity on a short period of time. Because yeah. everything has to be done. I mean, if you miss a deadline, you can't be on stage and not have your speaker there, not have your slide there, not have yeah. your microphone there. So it's yeah. very intense working to that deadline. Yeah. So stress resistance is something. And on a little bit of a lighter note, uh, before we end, uh, Raf, this, this reminds me of this popular show on Netflix now, which is called Indian Matchmaking, which is where a popular matchmaker tries to hook up uh, different couples. And, mm-hmm. you know, she'll ask someone that, what are you looking for, right? And then on the screen, you see all of these things, right? Pragmatic, open, transparent, be themselves, playing to friends. And, you know, it's literally like two pages, but also this. And then, you know, she will basically counsel you saying that, you know, you're not going to get everything in life. Uh, you will you'll have to settle for like 60, 70%. And that's actually mm-hmm. become like, uh, you know, it's become like all these internet memes with people saying that, you know, you, you have to settle, you have to adjust, you have to compromise. That's actually very, very true. And you cannot get everything. So if it's just somebody who loves what they do, yeah. that's already good enough for me. All the rest. Uh, all Absolutely. The rest so is, I think uh, you, you hit it on the head. Um, you know, just love what you do. Come to work, be happy, try your best. And, you know, and if I start exactly. out my own two-page list, uh, thanks a lot, Raf. This was fun. I uh, hope to chat with you again and all the very best. I know you're busy with uh, your event edition coming up soon. Again, we hope it's a roaring success. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. From now until uh, the 19th and, uh, and the 20th of, of June will be very intense. But this chat was really, really, uh, really entertaining and good. Good to step away from all the arrangements yeah. and practicality. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah.